Hello and welcome to Launch Left. I'm Rain Phoenix. Happy 2022, second week of January of the new year. May this year be filled with joy and music and laughter and art and friendship and all good things. Why not? Let's imagine it. Let's make it real. I have a very special guest today. Norman Reedus is on the show. Such a cool human being. Great, great conversation. I really enjoyed it. He launched an artist, Jake Lamagno, at InstaStupid on Instagram. So check out his profile to see his work. Um, Also, I wanted to just make a note that this year especially will be bringing on artists to launch other artists from across medium. So not just music will, of course, continue with music. But for example, Jake Lamagno is a sculptor and a fine artist. So just wanted to give you a heads up for that. And also remind you, don't forget to rate and subscribe and follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Norman. <laughs> Your schedule is, is wild. Um, you seem like you love it. That was going to be my first question to you is what brings you, what brings you the most joy? We'll start there and then we'll unpack. Wow. What brings me the most joy? Well, my daughter right now brings me the most joy. Um, I, you know, it, it's, I, I don't know. I've, came, I've come to a place where I'm just, I'm kind of in a good mood all the time. I, I, I think I came from a place where I was never in a good mood ever. Uh I don't know. It's like, you know, I don't know. It's not really a sense of accomplishment with this job or anything, but uh, I think it's just getting older. I think I just, I got older and uh, I'm just, I'm just grateful and in a better mood. I've always been like glass half full person, I should say. Oh, not me. So yeah, yeah, no, I know many people. I actually tend to gravitate to the more grumpy person. For some reason, I really enjoy a lot of my friends are, are more how you're describing your early days, um, grumpy and, uh, and not happy with things. And I don't know why, probably because opposites attract in that way that I've, I've become friends with many a grumpy person and enjoyed the friendship because I need that balancing act personally. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I can be too like, it's all going to be okay. And so I need people to be like, no, it's going to suck (laughs) to keep me balanced. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, as a kid, I was like, you know, I was like that kid that would throw a brick through the window. Just is anybody watching me, you know, uh, just to get attention, I think. So yeah, I don't know. I've, I've matured maybe. Yeah. Slightly. Uh, We're from Florida. I didn't realize you're from Florida as well. Yeah, I mean, I was born in Florida. I was born in Hollywood, Florida, and I, I think I lived there like three weeks. So, oh, okay, so I, I don't know it doesn't doesn't, doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah. No, I was, like, I was not born, but I lived there for like fifteen years. So I kind of count that I was from Florida because it was formative teen years to like oh, twenty five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I I did an episode of uh, Ride the Motorcycle Show. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was trying to get your brother on, which was hysterical. Um, but we did uh, the top of Florida to the bottom of, of Florida with uh, Peter Fonda, right? And um, wow. right, it was my very first episode. And we had a team of cops that would follow us, right? And uh, block the freeway off so we could zip through lights and whatnot. And uh, I was like, are we going to go by Hollywood, Florida? And he was like, why? 
And I was like, because I was born there. Like, I haven't been there since, you know, I was born. Can we see it? And he's like, you don't want to see Hollywood, Florida. And I was like, why? And he's like, trust me, you don't want to go there. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> well, good, good memories. Well, we were in Gainesville, so that's a whole different world. It's kind of like Georgia. Gainesville's right. like more, you know, horse country. Oh, cool. Like, yeah. So I it's love not Georgia. Like, I love it here. I have to, I have yeah. to I'm like, uh, I love it. I ride motorcycles in the country. It's just cows going by. You know, it's funny coming here from New York. Uh, you know, you would stop in and buy cigarettes somewhere or something like that. And they'd be like, how's your day? The weather's going great. And what about them so-and-sos? And you're like, Man, fuck you. I ain't talking to you. Just give me the cigarettes. Can I go? You know, and after, you know, why are we having a conversation? You know, right. and, uh, after a while, it turned into me going, hey, how's your day? What the weather? You know, I, I, I was like, oh, man, I like these people. This is cool. So I agree. I really like uh, the southern states for that reason. It is important just to, hey, how you doing? There's something about that that I really like. And I love Georgia. I spent a lot of time in Athens as well. Um, yeah, and, you know, um, JMS. Yesterday, yesterday was my birthday, and uh, uh, Michael calls me every birthday and sings me "Happy Birthday" in French. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're on that list too. I love yeah. that. I, I assumed he he sang he sang <laughs> as well. You know, the best the best message I got yesterday was from Paul Rubens. He sent me like a five minute video going, "You know what? I love you." Are you uncomfortable with that? So fucking what? I'll see you in court. Go ahead. I mean, it was the sweetest <laughs> message. You know, I have two Pee Wee Herman dolls up on my up on my thing up there. And uh, I met him ages ago and just I loved him. And, I, you know, I'm a big fan of of, of Paul Rubens. Uh, but he's the first person that sing that sends me a, a Merry Christmas card, uh, you know, a Happy New Year card. He's happy birthday, everything. He's uh He's, he's a cool guy. Recently, I was going through like an old storage container, but I ran across photos of all of us in New York hanging out. Oh. Like, that reminded me of the you I did know of then, which is different than the you I know of now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and within that, you took photos. Like that's what you did. And, and they're beautiful. And I love hearing that you have a show at Copenhagen and... Here's a question I have that is probably how annoying was it for you or did you not actually write one, write like an artist statement for your show in Copenhagen? Did you have to write an artist statement? I <laughs> didn't. Are- I always ask people okay. to do, like I have a couple okay. of quotes out, you know, and I yeah. think I got Debbie <laughs> Harry to do one. I think Mick Rock, Rest in Peace, did one. Um, I've had, you know, people do them for me. I, I fucking hate it. And, you know, I just wrote a book as well, right, during, you know, when, the COVID thing first hit and I was stuck in the house and I, I, I wrote a book. Right. So I, you know, I, I started this production company. Um, uh, What's it we, called? Well, it's called big bald head. Right. I'm like oh, big okay. bald head on everything, which there, there's right. a story behind the big bald head. Um, but, you know, the idea is that, you know, I've, I've, I've wanted to tell these certain stories and, and, the idea is that I write a book, I own the IP, I want to make it into a television show, right? And I took all these different ideas and 
different things that have happened who've morphed in my mind into different things. And I cram them all together in a book, right? And now, you know, the, the artist statement, they're like, so who should we send a, a list out to to ask for artist statements? And I'm like, you know, you're asking them to read a whole fucking book. And then, you know, it's not like listen to a song and then it's over and then it says something great about it. Like, you got to read a book. Like, so I'm giving them homework. I'm like, can we scrap this? And they've been on, on me forever. And I'm like, none of my friends are going to want to like read this fucking book. Like you have a week to read it and then write something. I'd be like, fuck, you know, <laughs> um, it, it's weird. The avenues you go down and then the people that think they know you and they're like, Oh, you're about this. And let's sell this on what we think of you. And you're like, I'm not like that at all, really. And, you know, it, you know, like there's a, you know, I'm starting a whiskey, right? I don't even drink whiskey anymore. That was like something I kind of did like in my twenties, but you know, it's like motorcycles, you know, you know, the, the, the number of companies are like, we need to make a Norman motorcycle boot. And I'm like, I wear vans when I ride, you know, like, you know, it, it's, it's like, like Sylvester Stallone, who's a good painter. Right. And, you know, I'm sure people are like, what do you paint? Like Rocky Balboa gloves, you know? And he's like, God damn it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like Richard Butler from the psychedelic first great painter, like amazing, you know? And I, I don't know, you can, you can blend the different worlds and, and uh, still people don't know what you're really about. You know, they just, you know, he's a redneck who shoots a crossbow at zombies. Let's, you know, yeah. Write something well, about zombies on your thing, you know. And you're like, I didn't take any pictures of zombies, you know. It, it, it's you know, it is what it is. But people don't really get to know you. Your friends do. Mick does. Debbie does. But um, the world, I don't know. Sometimes, it, sometimes I have to wave my hand really high and be like, no, 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 you know. So. Well, know. it's nice you have the freedom now uh, to create a production company to write a book just to when you feel comfortable sharing who you really are you have that freedom you know because um you've worked your ass off to get it to have that you know ability now um so that's beautiful like now you can when you feel like it you don't have to do it for five years if you don't want to right but you yeah. have a place that you can put what you care about and nobody can tell you, well, this seems more like you, Norman. And this, it's like, well, actually, you know, I'm going to just, you know. I kind of like to do it through the, through other people. If, if that, you know, like, like this is one of our projects. We have, we have faster pussycat kill, kill. I'm, try, I'm trying to make that into a television show. I got the rights to it. You know that, do you know that movie? Yeah, I've totally heard. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it, but or maybe I did. But oh my god, it's one of Russ Meyer's film. And you, I'm gonna so, watch it now. It's fucking great. It's like I used to wear the T-shirt in high school. Like it's it's a cool cool film, and and now I have the rights to it. You know, and I and I kind of don't want it to be about me. I kind of just want to pick the actresses and the writers and the directors and have them do it. And you can. If you want to include me in there somewhere, just include me in who I chose to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm a big fan of collaboration and you know what I mean? Like, 
I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't have, you know, I, you know, I, I just want to see what you do and like, yeah, I believe in you. You can do it. And rather than that's my thing, I'm doing the fucking thing, you know? So Yeah. Well, that is, but that is your thing. See that, that's what I mean is now you have the freedom to freaking help support other artists and help be behind the scenes. The, the fact is there, it doesn't have to be some manufactured thing or other people thinking you, you know, let's put him in the spotlight for the, you get to make this call now. And that's beautiful to have that freedom. And who would have thought, I mean, I'm guessing you didn't think that AMC is walking dead when you first were making it was going to bring you this far. I thought it was going to be in like three episodes and I was cool with it, to be honest. Yeah. You know, I, I did that pilot season, you know, in LA where you go and you see all the television shows and t- and I was loving TV. Like, like I liked Mad Men and Breaking Bad and all the shows. And, and, you know, I go to LA for my first TV thing. Cause back in the day, like nobody did TV. It was like, if you got a TV show, they'd be like, keep trying, you know? And all of a sudden TV got really good. And, so I went out there and you sit down with all those suits and you're like, whatever. And they give you like this many scripts and you're like, doctor show, doctor show, roommate show, doctor show. And there's this zombie one. And I was like, oh, this one's great. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. That's a mistake. And I'm like, no, I'd watch this one. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's the same company that does Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad and Mad Men. And you know, and it had good people in, in it, like Gail Ann Hurd and Frank Darabont, all these great people. And uh, and so I, I was like, I just focused on this. And everybody was like, oh, you know, this was a disaster. And, <laughs> and I went in and, and, uh, and they kind of strung me along for a while. And then I went back to New York and they had me come in for one of the roles that I knew was already cast, right? And, and... And then they said, Frank wrote a part for you. And I was like, fuck yeah. But I didn't, I had no idea, you know, 11 years in, I'd still be doing it, you know? And I love it too. I'm like, you know, people are like, aren't you ready to do something else? I'm like, no, nah, I like this. This is great. You know? You're I, so like, awesome. I'm, those, I'm like one of those people, like if I was on Jeopardy and I won like the first round for a hundred dollars, I'd be like, later. I don't think I'd go for the the jackpot. I'd be like, great. Yeah, I'd be so stoked. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you're so freaking awesome in in that show. I think I told you that my boyfriend and I, I had never seen it, and only recently, um, we were you know during the times of COVID, we were like, what's something maybe something binge worthy? Let's let's check out Walking Dead, and we started slowly getting into it, and then. Uh, we completely bit and then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh we're done with 10 seasons how did that happen? or nine seasons and we yeah. just couldn't stop and you are such a shining light in that show so it was just uh somehow fun i enjoyed it, it was the perfect pandemic cozy up and just binge watch you have such a solid um presence in that show with so much quiet. One of my favorite things in acting and filmmaking and TV, obviously, is uh, when an actor or director or the script is is aware of the power of silence and the yeah, power exactly. of quietude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, 
and and eye contact, like the eyes being the actor, like not words, but the way someone looks and thinks. That has always moved me the most. And as an actor, I always gravitate to that kind of, Same. you know, those kind of actors or uh, you and that show are like this grounding uh, energy that is so magnetizing that that oh. you're just like, well, where the heck is Daryl? Get Daryl back on the screen. And I love that. You're you're, yeah. Your brother's really good at that as well. He's, yeah. he's, he's like, you, you can turn the volume down and you're like, oh, you know, he's great. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, you, you know, it's, I, it's going to be weird ending this show. Cause I mean, I've been here for so long. I don't know what to do with this house. Um, I don't, you know, and we're just, you know, shutting it all down. Like I'm going to miss this crew. I'm going to miss these people. Like, uh, you know, I, I just got off the phone with my agent, my manager. And I was like, you know, I'm going to have a nervous fucking breakdown when this is over, I'm going to be like on the bathroom floor in tears. Like, and then I was thinking like, and this is such like a pussy thing to say, but like, I'm like, what happens if I get a flat? Like I can't call transport. Like how am I going to live my life? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, what am I going to eat? Who's going to feed me? You know, uh, you know, I just start having like all these breakdowns. Like, what, you know, no one's going to call me and tell me to be someone like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm interested in sort of what Web3 is doing for artists, uh, you know, and NFTs as well for music and all these different new applications that is freeing up uh, what was what had a lot more gate- gatekeepers. And now it's freeing up for artists, especially in creative. So there's a lot of positivity to some of this technology that I'm keen on. And I've also been doing my own kind of research oh, yeah. and d- deep dives. And, and we like launched left to create that NFT gallery for my own private Idaho. And so we've been sort of like, checking it all out ourselves. And I do think that there's a lot of beauty in it for the art and and the potential of artists being able to make revenue without gatekeepers like that is sweet yeah. that's our what we think is a pretty sweet spot but you know like you said there, there with everything all this there's always negative to positives it's what we do it's how we come to it it's do is there an ethical framework are yeah. there principles behind it and if there isn't you can be guaranteed sure that there's going to be people using it in a way that like most of us would not resonate with or want to see it used. Right. So there's all these platforms where everyone can be artists. Right. But you know, I don't know. I, I know a lot of painters and sculptors and writers and I, there's something too, about like, I like to have a manager, you know, I like to have, a curator or a gallery owner that will kind of like poke my buttons and talk about this and send me in this way or do me up against somebody else. I, I kind of like the buffer, to be honest, you know, you know, just like put it out there and see what they say. And look what I did. Like, I don't like that. Like I, I like to talk to somebody about putting the thing in the thing, you know, I like somebody to get to know me. I like to get to know them and I like the time spent to trust them and they trust me and sort of talk me through it. I don't, you know, I like wearing sunglasses. I don't want everyone to see my eyes all the time. I I like to have a buffer, you know, and there's something to be said for that, like a partner, like you have a partner in this avenue, a partner in that avenue. 
And when no one has partners anymore because they don't need partners anymore because the door is so wide open that anybody can do it, it just, it just, I just go, ah, it just looks like static to me. You know? I agree. No, I completely agree. And I think that's good that you help clarify or help me clarify because what I mean by no gatekeepers in terms of, um, you know, for artists that you have to be a certain thing in order to even be considered to have a manager or an agent, right? You have to fit into like, you've streamed 2 million streams, or you've done this, or you've, and then maybe we'll consider you as opposed to, there are some really brilliant artists out there that do have collaborative bodies, communities of people that are saying like, that sucks, that's good, that's, and they're building worlds unto themselves. They know who they are. They're self-possessed, but gate, gatekeepers in the sense of people stopping self-possessed, really talented artists from from getting where, in their strange, esoteric, experimental way, getting where they need to be where they can support themselves with their creativity. I am a huge advocate for curation. Like to me, the idea that everybody should just make art whenever they want and we all have to like sift through it. I'm not a fan of that. That's to me the whole point of, you know, one of the main, as you know, points of like what this platform is launch left is this idea that artists that have carved their own path against all odds, like achieve some kind of success, asking them to highlight someone new because they know what that struggle is. And they're also curating someone so that it's not just a free for all. Right. And even for example, you know, you've done things that were against your representatives a number of times, I'm sure where they were like, but no, do the doctor show or whatever, you know, and you know, in your heart as a artist or creative, what is going to move you and what you can do and what you feel resonates with you and all that. And sometimes, you know, having that conviction has led you to where now you have the freedom to do what you want. And you also have the freedom to help launch artists that don't have enough visibility in that way. I used to live in LA and yeah, I had a friend of mine, uh, who went to Otis Parsons, right? And so I kind of fell into this Otis crowd, right? And we did a show that we, I did a show with this guy. And back then, like you couldn't get anyone to go to an art show unless you had like an open bar and a band play, like nobody went. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people like Mr. Brainwash and all these people came out and everyone's buying art and everybody moves to LA because they're like, there's Brad Pitt bought a thing, you know, and, 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 it becomes like everybody moves, right? I miss those days of like living in a garage and putting my own shit on the wall. I miss that. And I know that I might get more shows now because I'm on a television. I fucking know that. You know what I mean? But, or get more notoriety for a show. But I know so many artists that are so good that, haven't got the huge notoriety or whatever. And they totally deserve it. And filmmakers, there's a girl named Ada Blagard Solby in Denmark, who's fucking great. I mean, like honest as shit, like so good. Um, and I know her in this weird fucking way, but, and then, and then Jake, who we're, I think we were talking about Insta stupid. Yeah. He, he's so good, but he's, and I found him through Instagram. So right. I, I do think that social media is sometimes like, if you follow somebody and you can get their vibe, you're like, oh shit, they're 
They're great. There's a girl named Mercedes Helmwine who I fucking love. She's in LA. She's fucking great. Um, I've, I've got like here, this, that's one of her paintings right there on the wall. Do you remember this old band called old right? um, from the eighties called the Scorpions? Yeah. Do you remember this band? Do you remember the album cover of a guy and he's like got forks in his eyes and he's screaming and his head's wrapped. It's one of their album covers. That's a self portrait. Her father did. He's an, I mean, like the sickest fucking artist, this guy. And it happens to be his daughter. And, you know, I mean, there's, I do think it's possible for, you know, I, you know, like what you're saying, the people who have it, you know, their time in the sun for a second and their stuff sucks. Like, I feel like it'll fizzle away, but, you know, I read this interview. I'm kind of all over the place, but I read this interview with Nicolas Cage once where, he, it was around the time he did Leaving Las Vegas and a huge Nicolas Cage fan, right? And he was he was talking, he wrote this thing about being in his car and driving across country because he was feeling too successful. He started to feel like he was getting soft. He wanted to get like dirty again, you know? And I was like, oh, I fucking love that about that guy. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, I, I've done it, I guess, with a lot of people sort of, I don't know, promoted their stuff or whatever, but only because I'm a fan. And when they talk, I shut up, you know. Um, I learn a lot from, you know, from people that are, like, really doing it, you know. And there was a guy that, talking about the Otis Parson guy, this guy named Josh Littman, and he taught me how to cut rock, right? <clears throat> and we did this show in Beverly Hills, and this is, like, you know, me with a poncho, like blue hair. I'm scared of everybody. And I'm that guy for a while. And we did this show and I took this, this little skinny girl that I knew uh, and I plastered her body and I elongated her at the knees and the elbows and made these creatures. And there, there was a paper out there uh, called the recycler. And I got these giant, these seven giant French doors out of it. And I put her on all these things and I cocooned her in all these different gauges of wire and sort of made this metal souffle of these images on these seven things. And I uh, used these glass wig heads and fucking did all this shit and put elect, you know, lights up in them and did all these things. And it was so disturbing. Right. And, and I was just like a disturbed guy back then, but I, I was too nervous to go to the show. So these two girls, I know they had a truck and I told them where I wanted to put the thing. And this was in a restaurant in Beverly Hills where it was between ownerships of it. And they let us put a show on in there. And, <clears throat> and I was too nervous to go, but I had kind of like the VIP room of it. And, and they told me, you know, first off the guy, Josh, who caught, taught me how to cut rock, he did this crazy shit where he like, he put he changed the flooring in the in the opening of this place and he was DJing at the same time and there were colors up in up in the ground in these I don't know these uh, I don't know he did something with tiles on the floor and 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 as he hit a certain beat the the colors of the floor would change they would bounce with the with the bass and and he and this other guy we were taking these um these these box frames right and he was it was a guy his name was t-rick he was the fucking coolest guy he, he lived over in like that western uh on western street and above sunset uh hollywood boulevard like western 
area. Let's feel this. Let's feel this. Yeah. And he was studying sound and how sound, different vibrations of sound, like subliminal sound, will like fuck with your mental, like make you fucking aggro, fucking subdue you, whatever. And he was amplifying things in box springs. Like we were doing crazy shit like that. And, you know, there were people, he, Josh calls me, right? And he's like, he's like, I know you didn't go to the show event, but people were like, they come in like kiss, kiss, fucking me, me, me. And they'd walk down the hallway and they'd get to like where your shit was. And they would just like come out of the room, like completely <laughs> fucked up. And I was like, yeah, Beverly Hills, fuck you. It was, like, it was such a success story for me, you know? <laughs> I miss all those fucking days. And like, there was a guy named Joey Krebs. He, he did like that Rage Against the Machine album cover, uh, you know, with the silhouettes. And he would do silhouettes all over LA, like Santa, Santa, Satan, and you know, all those, all these silhouettes everywhere. And there was a girl named Becca who she would always do these big blonde, like heroic girls boxing and they would plaster them all over LA. It was like a really cool time in the nineties in LA when we were doing like crazy shit. And um, I remember like, it was like Jane's addiction was just first starting out and, you know, and Perry and I became friends and uh, I met Perry back when he, was with Casey and it was, it was crazy. There was this dude, like his name was, we used to call him punk rock Chuck and he had like green hair and these little granny glasses. And he's like, come with me to this party. And I was like, all right. So takes me to this party. And there's all these girls like, like uh, standing around by themselves. I'm like, I'm like, yo, what why are these girls just like standing around by themselves? And he's like, Oh, this is a Heidi Fleiss party. I'm like, what's a Heidi Fleiss party. And, and, Casey came up to me and she was like, you know, Casey, Nicole? No. This is ages ago, right? And she comes up and she's like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know. What do you do? And she's like, I'm only one of the biggest video directors in town. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I know what you do. Right. Just to, to be a dick. Right. And she puts out her cigarette on Chuck's leg. And then I, you know, I meet Perry, you know, and then, but Joey, who does the silhouettes, I'm sitting with Perry and there used to be this place, um, Ledoux, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Very 90s. And I was sitting there with Perry and we were like, we had this marker and we were drawn on our plates at a table and this fuzzy hat comes bouncing through the room and Perry goes, oh, fuck, it's him. And like bolts out the back. And I'm like, that's Joey. That's, he used to go by uh, the LA Phantom when he did the silhouettes and stuff. And he used to wear this big furry hat and it's like furry hats comes bouncing to the crowd and fucking Perry runs. I'm like, what the fuck do you do to Perry? Like, like he just, he saw your hat and he ran. He goes, I don't know. He just always runs for me. There was like such like a weird, cool <laughs> artistic crowd going around back then. You know, it was just like the coolest vibe back then. Like I miss those days, you know, everybody was so good and everybody was like just fucking killing it and didn't give a shit. You know, there was no social media. Yeah, it's wild. So I love hearing you wax um, nostalgic for a simpler time uh, because I'm also a 90s kid. I came up in the 90s. You know, I grew up in the 90s. So, like, you remember um, when Jane's Addiction first came out? You were like, I remember being downtown at Fatima and Tarsim's Halloween party, and I was blue. For some reason, I wanted to be a blue horse, and I didn't look like a horse at all, but I was blue. And I'm kind of walking through this fucking huge crowd downtown, like right near Skid Row, they had this loft. And I hear this 
lady, right? And she's like, I see you, you motherfuckers. And I'm like, what's that? And I sort of go through the crowd and there's this lady and she's kind of like, got like arthritis fingers. And she's like, I see you, you motherfuckers. And all of a sudden Perry comes out and he's like, sugar, sugar, sugar. And you're just like, holy fuck, like, what's that? You know, it was like the greatest fucking time. That's always fun to go down a little bit of memory lane. So thank you for sharing, yeah. uh, especially here in L.A., because that makes sense in terms of cause and effect. When I moved back here, I was in New York, and I moved back here in 2009 to L.A. because as in, well, I got signed here to an indie label with the record I was putting out, and there was something about the the collaborative energy in L.A. between artists and in the music mm. industry, like – it wasn't industry actually. It felt like in the music scene, like people were just sharing and helping each other. If one was bigger, they were like open for me. And you know, it was a much better vibe than it was in New York at the time for a struggling indie or a musician kind of thing. So we came here and it just opened up the world kind of opened up again within that scene of artists. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was at the dawn of Instagram. So, you know, it's so interesting when it brings us back kind of in a circuitous way to the beginning of the conversation or to maybe it wasn't the beginning, but when we were talking about, you know, connection, real connection versus connection within apps or connecting virtually. Right. So IRL versus in the metaverse, so to speak, in real life versus in the metaverse. Um, And there is there is. And it might just be because we're old, though, Norman. Like, I think the kids would be like, there's no difference. This is all we've ever known. This is the future. You are the olds. Fuck off. Yeah. yeah. I, you, know? you know, I don't know. I, I, it's got to come back around. You know, like. Uh, like vinyl? You got, you know, the, the, you have to have a, give a little credit for the suffering. That You know, you got to suffer a little bit to do something good, you know. You can't just fake it till you make it. I think that's a very weird Hollywood sort of fucking idea now, but you know, you know, it, we can tell the difference. It's it's it seems like a fad, you know. Mm. I mean, it, it you know that thing of, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it's you know there are there are friends of mine. I'm like. What have you been doing for the last 20 years? They're like, oh, I, you know, did this back in the 90s. And you're like, what are you doing now? Which I like about New York because you can't, you know, oh, I shot the chili peppers in 94. You know, you can't, you have to fucking do something this year, you know, to keep it going in New York. So I like that about New York. But I, I think that the Insta fame thing is a killer, you know. You know what I mean? And and there has been like social media people who have like a bazillion followers and all of a sudden they're movie stars and it doesn't really work, you know. It doesn't really it doesn't really go past two or three movies, you know. So I don't know. I, I, I do like the the directors that look look for something real and the actors that give something real and the musicians that sing about something real. You know, I, I like all that. I think it's gotta come back. You know, I actually don't think it's it's even fucking gone away. Yeah, I was going to say it's never left. It's never left. I'm so happy you said because that's what launch left. That's why I put down this flag. That's what this is, is a conversation to remind us that that never goes away. That's who we are. If you're a creative, which I think everyone is, 
we all have this power within us, then you would be doing stuff because you actually fucking can't help yourself. So any more, any more people off the top of your head, doesn't matter what art, could be a chef that you know, could be uh, that you want to just say their name out loud. It will help yeah, people go search their Instagram handles and all that. There's a guy named Azazel Jacobs. Do you know him? He's out mm-hmm. in LA. His father's Ken Jacobs, that experimental filmmaker. But Azazel, he just had a hit movie, like his first like big you know movie, whatever, uh, called uh, uh, was it Last Exit? It's with Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm, I didn't see it. it. The I, last movie she did, but it 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 got great reviews. But that guy, he's 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 a one to watch. He's the real fucking deal. I think he lives in Silver Lake right now. He's from New York. He's he's fucking great. I remember doing a movie with him a zillion years ago, and it's me and Trisha Vesey, who's a great actress. She was in Ghost Dogs. She was that lead lead girl in Ghost Dogs. She's a really good actress. Uh, she did a Claire Denise movie with uh, Vincent Gallo. Uh, where they're like vampires, thirst, you know, thirsting on each other. Um, uh, but Azazel is great. He, I know him. I mean, talk, going back to nine eleven, he did this crazy thing. Uh, he did. He had a place in Dumbo, and he, on the roof, he had a he had a camera that he faced towards the twin towers while they were burning. But the roof door of you know, they, you know, goes to the stairwell to the roof was bang, bang, bang with the, the twin towers in the background, like bang, bang. And then over it, he played his, his, he played his uh, answering machine, right? His phone. And so it's like, it's like, Aza, where are you? I, I can't get you on the phone. Like, Aza, it's your mom. Please call me. You know, like, it was the most haunting wow. fucking thing. I Like one of the most haunting things I've ever seen. And but he's coming into his own as a filmmaker. Like he's starting to get like really recognized. Like he's people want him for everything now, but Great. I knew him way back when, you know, <laughs> how about he, music? Are there any like music you've heard that no one's heard of yet? Maybe that I, you know, I, you know, I'm friends with Orville Peck and he's, but he too is becoming a superstar. right? Yeah. Now. He's great. Yeah. 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 He, he and I share the same birthday. Oh, nice. Like, crazy, Mi- like Mick Rock and I. Bless his oh, heart. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Orville's uh, talk about magnetizing. It, you, yeah, it runs in your birthday, I guess, because you both have that, like, you're drawn to you. You want to watch, listen, whatever you're doing, I'm with you. What's going on? You know, yeah. you have that I, energy. I loved him immediately. Like, um, I, he's going to come out to Georgia. We're going to do a music video. Um, oh. I think uh, at the end of this month, maybe. Um, but you know, I, I got really into RuPaul's drag race. Like I got like obsessed with it, like to the point where I could tell who was going to win, how RuPaul like said, you know, I've made my decision, you know, like I, I, I could, I fucking could pick it. And, and Orville's really good friends with Trixie Mattel, who's mm-hmm. kind of like one of my favorites, um, and then they sent me a picture of them together. I was like, you guys know each other? Like, my mind was like, boom, boom. <laughs> um, you, know, or, you know, Orville I really love as a, as a, as a musician. Um, who do I know that's... Any uh, um, fo- folk artists there in Georgia that, that you've clocked or is on set? Like, you know, just... 
that you've seen their work or anything local to Georgia? You know, that there, there were two girls on an episode of us that we did in Tennessee. I can't remember their names right now. Um, if you, if you watch the right episode of us in Tennessee, there were two girls that were fucking mind blowing. Um, I can't remember their name right now. Okay, that's from your show Ride in Tennessee. I'm going to ask you, what was the first music that made you go, what the fuck? Was Laurie Anderson. You know Laurie Anderson? She was she was married to Lou Reed yep. for a long time. So, so my mom took me to a concert in San Francisco. Um, and I was too little. Like, my feet couldn't touch the ground. I was, like, really little. And she, she took me to this concert of hers. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of nervous, like my first big concert. And she comes out in the glow in the dark outfit and the glow in the dark violin. And she's like, and then her head, only her head pops up on a giant screen behind her. And it's that song Sharky's day. And she goes, the sun's coming up like a big bald head. And that's where I got big bald head. That's where that comes. Amazing. That was my first concert. Uh always stuck with me that's why i'm big ball that is so thank you for sharing that with the world being as it is what's your form of activism like what do you feel called to help out with i think the planet the most i think that's the big the big one right now laurie anderson my, my first concert yeah what filmmaker made you go what film uh most influential film uh the omen fine artist Fine artist, um, Hieronymus Bosch. You and David Lynch picked the same fine oh, artist. Oh, no, God, that's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, I great. would love an advanced copy of your book to read. Sure, yeah. Whenever yeah. you want. And, of course. Um, and I'm really excited about your production company and that you're going to be making f- interesting films and TV shows. Like I'm so gra- grateful for your graciousness and sharing all this time with me. Oh, yeah, it was my pleasure. Yeah, it was nice to reconnect with you. I yeah. know. I've been too long. And we'll obviously keep in touch and um, so. send send your beautiful family, the ones who bring you the most joy of all the things in your life, uh, my best. Welcome to the show. You're here because Norman Reedus told us that we should know about your your art and your work and your creativity. And my burning question for you is, at what age did you just start making things quite young i started throwing pottery probably around three or four got into pottery and sculpting early on then progressed from there into uh soapstone learned the steps and soapstone and carving and then went into marble you know i i went to a, a pretty great high school in vermont that had a wonderful sculpting program uh i don't know sculpting um pottery marble soapstone skateboarding took over my life i guess is what i was gonna say moved to new york broke every bone in my body and uh took a bit of a hiatus with art went back into it probably about 10 years ago but very young pottery pottery is what started it (laughs) i found it very cathartic in sculpture i noticed you use wood and stone and bones and different uh was it just uh trial by error or you no, I mean, um, you know, I call in a store called The Hunt. Uh, it's an antique store and kind of oddities and um, jewelry and our own brand. And uh, 
we started that on the basis of opening a store to sell stuff that we um that we loved you know and it worked out we're going on our 10th year here in new york i mean i think when you make art you gotta it's the point of making it if you don't like it yourself you know at some some point you gotta want to fucking fuck with the materials and and uh have fun doing it and try and make something that makes you happy hopefully it makes other people happy or evicts some sort of emotion in them love hate or uh indecisiveness whatever it may be (laughs) (laughs) yeah and where is the hunt in new york Uh, 27 canal street yeah okay so for those of you watching and listening go to the hunt the hunt Uh, nyc yeah um do you know norman reedus i consider norman one of my best buds yeah you know i think we knew each other i've lived in new york now for almost going on 25 years but he came into the shop after he saw uh some stuff i was doing this gold series where i was dipping shark jaws in uh 24 karat gold um and i'd never had my name on my instagram so he came into the store and wrote his number down on the uh email list book and that's how we got uh, reacquainted. And then he, you know, became one of my most avid collectors and godsend. He's a, he's a wonderful human being. Well, your work is beautiful. Can you share with everyone how we can find it on social media and uh, websites or any of that? Yeah. Uh, right now we're redoing my website. Um, it might be, might be kind of minimally up, which is just my name dot com and uh instagram is kind of where i'll be posting stuff that or i'm about to do my first nft drop something i was a bit reluctant to get into but learning more about it i kind of i think it's i think it's an important thing and yeah i don't use it's my instagram is insta stupid i-n-s-t-a-s-t-u-p-i-d Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 